May is Fibromyalgia Awareness Month. It's important to raise awareness about this chronic and often debilitating invisible illness known as fibromyalgia. This month-long campaign is an opportunity to educate people about the symptoms, causes, and treatments of fibromyalgia, as well as to show support for those living with these and other related invisible illnesses. Through increased awareness, we can work towards better understanding and management of fibromyalgia and ultimately improve the quality of life for those who are affected by it. And now on to this week's episode. What time did you get up this morning? Did you wake up rested? Did you need an alarm to wake you up? Or did some other noise or person have to come in to your room and wake you up? What time did you go to bed? Do you go to bed at different times during the week compared to the weekend? And do you get up later on the weekend compared to during the week? How many hours of sleep are you getting a night? All of these are going to be discussed on this week's episode. It's known as sleep hygiene. Think of sleep hygiene as kind of the diet for your sleep. Are you getting junk food? Are you having bad sleep habits that is interfering with how well you function and how well you feel? Just like diet is so important to our health and to fighting fibromyalgia, so too is sleep. A lot of people haven't put a lot of thought into it. A lot of people are very frustrated with their sleep, especially if you have fibromyalgia. Dr. Brittany Meyer again joins me on a conversation as we discuss these on this week's episode. Thank you again for joining the Fibromyalgia Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Michael Lenz. I am a pediatrician, an internal medicine doctor, and a lifestyle medicine physician. I also authored the book, Conquering Your Fibromyalgia, Real Answers and Real Solutions for Real Pain. Remember that while I am a doctor, I am not your doctor. All symptoms and signs should be discussed with your doctor. This podcast can be used as a starting point on your journey going from just learning to live but to even conquering, to reducing the suffering that you're having and possibly even to the level of those who are unaffected by fibromyalgia. This podcast is meant for you if you have fibromyalgia, for your loved ones who don't have fibromyalgia but want to learn more about it to help you recover and get better, and for physicians who just haven't had much training on fibromyalgia but want to learn more. Treatment of fibromyalgia is one of the most rewarding types of problems I take care of. And now on to this week's episode. And I think there's a lot of normal physiologic sleep where there isn't any true sleep disorder But there's a lot of behavioral aspects. And being a mom of two, I often joke I'm a pediatrician as well and just talking to parents yesterday and we don't have to do a talk about how to get your kids sleep to sleep through the night. But I said, you know, your life is never normal. But when your child sleeps through the night, your life does get closer to being normal again. 
And I said often that, well, you're going to start to remember dreams you didn't even know you had because you're waking up hearing crying in the middle of the night with a, a newborn infant beyond sleep disorders, which I hope yeah. we'll talk about RLS as well, restless leg syndrome. But And we talked about sleep apnea, but a lot of sleep problems are also behavioral in aspect. It's environmental per se. Can you talk about things that create, let's maybe start with the positive again. What's a good sleep hygiene? So good sleep hygiene. The biggest thing I tell people is put the phone away. The phone should not be in the bedroom at all. The turning it off and putting it away is the biggest thing that you can do. And one of the biggest issues I see with sleep. So if you're having problems falling asleep, trying to make a good sleep environment. So making sure it's dark in the room, it's a little bit cooler, it's white noise is okay, but it's quiet and conducive to sleeping. The other thing is no no screen time at least an hour before bed. That includes phone, computers, TV. I mean, <laughs> I wish you could see his face because his eyes just got about yeah, 10 times yeah, bigger. Yeah. than. Yeah. I mean, but the whole thing is that all of the screens give off blue light. And so our whole circadian rhythm is based on light dark. And so by looking at the screen, is it's telling the brain, hey, it's still daytime. I'm supposed to be awake right now. And so you can't look at your phone five minutes before you go to bed and then close your eyes and try to turn off your brain. Because if you think about sunset and dusk and all of that, that is what our bodies and our biological norm is set to do. So Screens is a big thing. No caffeine after two o'clock in the afternoon. Exercising, I think, is great. Like even a 20-minute brisk walk during the day is great. Just don't do it two hours before bed. Same thing with alcohol or nicotine. Should I always do one-to-one rule on it? So at least one hour before for like if you have one beer, wait at least an hour before you go to bed bed if you have two two hours before you go to bed same with cigarettes or any tobacco products with it for many who are struggling with fibromyalgia they have used behaviors or coping strategies to help deal with fibromyalgia related symptoms of fatigue tiredness cognitive impairment and brain fog by using things such as caffeine to help keep you awake, often calorie-dense foods like we've talked about earlier on a different podcast, as well as many have used nicotine to help cope with anxiety and stress, as well as to help with stimulating their brain to help keep them more alert, help them focus better. Many have used alcohol to help turn their brain off and help forget about the stress in the world unfortunately that actually can cause worse sleep if you're drinking alcohol in the evening that actually can cause rebound insomnia so the second half of the night you don't get into deep sleep and also you don't get into the restorative sleep as well for many who have nicotine consumption on a regular basis that also can cause significant impairment in falling asleep. I had a patient of mine who had for years been having complaints of difficulty sleeping with insomnia. 
Unfortunately, it wasn't until he had a heart attack that he quit smoking. And when he quit smoking, he went from getting about four hours of sleep a night to getting a restful seven to eight hours of sleep. So quitting smoking would be helpful, but for many people, people who use cigarettes or nicotine, that is to possibly treat some other co existing comorbid health conditions such as untreated ADHD or depression or anxiety. For many who are using these coping strategies, it may have been going on for a long time. So for many, there's just a lack of awareness that these are just bad habits that they've been using. And it's actually been sabotaging their ability to get good deep sleep. Dr. Meyer shares some healthy strategies to help transition to falling asleep. The other thing is, I think relaxation techniques are fantastic. You know, there's a lot of different apps on your phone with Calm or uh, CBTI Coach that are free that you can go on to and do relaxation techniques. Anything from like the imagery that they talk about the serene and you're supposed to visualize it. I like the lead one that I think about my toes becoming full of sand and then working your body up. The other thing is if you're a warrior, I have a worry notebook next to my bed. So I take five minutes and I write down everything that I didn't get done, what I need to do for tomorrow, what I wish I had told people off. Like I just scribble in it so that you're not laying in bed trying to think about it. And then the other thing is using the bed only for sex and sleep. No reading, no watching TV, anything like that in bed. And what that does is it associates the bed to sleep. If you, it's one of those bad nights and you're not going to fall asleep, which that happens to everybody. Everybody's going to have a bad night of sleep or insomnia at some point in their lives. But if it's a bad night and you can't fall asleep, worst thing you can do is lay in bed trying to fall asleep. So get out of bed, go to a kind of dimly lit room and do something that's not very thought provoking that doesn't include a screen. So reading Moby Dick, because that will put me to bed in about two seconds or playing solitaire with a deck of cards or coloring books or balancing your checkbook or just something that isn't very, you know, thought provoking until you start feeling tired again and then go back to bed and then no clocks in the bedroom. So like if you do have an alarm clock, flipping it around because watching the clock is just going to make things 10 times worse. So, or if you wake up in the middle of the night and you go, oh, well, I have five more hours until I wake up, it sets your brain and you'll wake up two hours later to check, make sure that you still have enough time to sleep. So got a question for you. Yeah. I have a, some teenagers and uh, hypothetically, if you had a 15 year old daughter, how much sleep should a 15 year old daughter get a night roughly? <laughs> Uh, 10 to 12 hours of sleep 10 to 12 hours as just a side note she likes to play volleyball what do we know about athletic performance in sleep so if you any of the greats tom brady i mean then the williams sisters any of them you google about their sleep habits all of them are getting at least 12 to 14 hours of sleep a night and those are highly active, highly working out, probably a lot more recovery needed. If, like we said earlier, most of the, our average 
uh, patients are not exercising at that extreme level and are potentially, if you're getting 12 hours of sleep, we got to make sure they're not having sleep apnea because they're exhausted all the time. I think that so many of these problems with the sleep hygiene, it's almost like saying, what, doesn't everybody do that? Because it's so common with our, the screen time and so many other things that are going on. And many people who have fibromyalgia also have ADHD and what they've developed are bad sleep hygiene habits where they um, worry about things. They have so many things on their mind, they can't turn things off. So to entertain themselves, to keep their mind off, they'll go on the high dopamine release of TikTok videos or flipping through those high entertaining that high dopamine release to keep us excited and not bored and thinking about all the overwhelming things in their life, which can actually then snowball or the dog chasing the tail of just actually making their sleep worse. So there's so many overlapping sleep hygiene problems that come along with it. It's similar to somebody who has just has sleep apnea where they, the hygiene is mixed in with all of the other co-existing struggles that they might have. And the last thing I would say about that is I don't have a magical pill to help you sleep. I, the sleep aid medications out there, I mean, they really don't work. When you look at the, how much additional sleep you actually get, it's, it's not worth the risk on it. The thing that has been, so sleep's a learned behavior. And so the thing that is most beneficial is something called cognitive behavioral therapy. So it's retraining your brain to shut down and your body to relax so you can actually sleep at night. And what's the core of that? It's sleep hygiene. Because society has put all of these other barriers in it and pushed sleep to the background. And it really should become more of a forefront. Yeah, there becomes that macho attitude about sleep, like, hey, I can get by with five. Look at me. Well, you got two cups of coffee, you're exhausted. And and so those other problems that are going along with that. For many who have fibromyalgia, simple relaxation techniques and simple sleep hygiene by itself may not be enough. People with fibromyalgia have a much more hyper-aroused brain, so it's a lot more challenging to fall asleep. There's a higher chance that there's something different in how the brain works at night. We'll talk about that later. More likely to have restless leg syndrome and also more likely to have ADHD. So it is much more of a challenge. So it's not just a simple thing. So if you're listening to this and you have fibromyalgia and you say, oh, I've heard that all before. It doesn't work for me. Just recognize that when these other strategies are incorporated as part of a treatment plan, these relaxation techniques, and if you would have a coexisting sleep disorder, treating that with appropriate medication or sleep apnea treatment is part of it but then also the sleep hygiene is important here's another point with the sleep schedule i think that is important especially people who there's people who can get away with bad sleep hygiene and there's people who can get away who don't get regular exercise and they don't hurt more whether they get 2000 steps a day in winter or they get 15000 steps a day there's people who can be buffered from having 
fatigue and, and the fibromyalgia problems. But then there's people who have fibromyalgia and if they don't get at least 10,000 steps a day, they don't, they don't feel well. There are people who can have erratic bedtime, relatively erratic for a sleep specialist, where one night they may go to bed at nine and next night they may go to bed at 1230. And it varies tremendously. Many people might be working blue collar job where they might get up at four o'clock in the morning during the week and then want to sleep in till eight o'clock on the weekends. That's probably a pretty common problem. What would you say about variable bedtime and wake time? So the biggest thing is the same wake up time every single day. And what that does is it really anchors your sleep wake cycle. But if there's one thing to do, waking up at the same time every day is actually your best bet. And sleep deprivation is a real thing and trying to play catch up on it. And luckily it's not like a one-to-one on it, but what I would say then is still wake up at the same time every day and then take a, you know, 10 to 15 minute power nap or at least close your eyes throughout the day. And that has been shown to give you a two or three hour boost in your energy. But we're creatures of habit. The more consistent schedule you can have, not just with bedtime of wake up, but even with eating habits and that type of thing, the better majority of us do. And people who are listening to a fibromyalgia, having that consistency is so important that for young people that are adolescent and younger who I see who have more frequent headaches and migraines, sleep is a huge problem. As we get older, our lives get more complicated and they're more likely to have other issues going on. One of the things I'll say, especially when they get to middle school, high school age, is often there's that high discrepancy between weekend and weekday hours. And I'll say, okay, for two weeks, can we just do an experiment? What time do you got to get up to get ready to make yourself beautiful in the morning for school? Okay, six o'clock. Okay, every day, including the weekend, I want you to get up at six o'clock. I want you to turn off all your technology by eight o'clock and just relax and get to bed. And I say, okay, the first week you're going to be catching up on your sleep. And instead of having three or four headaches in uh, in the first, like you typically do in the first week, you'll make go drop to one or two. By the second week, you hopefully have caught up on your sleep and you've demonstrated how much better you feel and (laughs) that the headaches have gone away. And I say, just do an experiment. Of course, what I, they find out is, well, they got better and it went away. And I said, okay, now whose fault is it if you start getting headaches again? (laughs) Go yep, exactly, and, and, and it really sucks having migraines. It really sucks having headaches. Is it really worth that entertaining Xbox marathon until one in the morning with your friends or those sleepovers? I remember I used to be a youth group leader, and they'd have these lock-ins. And the more I've learned about sleep medicine, I'm like, that's cruel and unusual punishment to yes. keep people up at night it's, it's like can we just like maybe just go to bed at nine and just wake up at 6 30 and have pancakes and maybe maybe we'll let you get an extra hour of sleep patients say well dr Lynn, you mean forever and i said okay let's just say you do stay up later uh, instead of going to bed at nine you have a prom and you stay up till midnight or something and say okay the next night the next morning don't let yourself sleep in as long and then try to allow yourself to go to bed earlier so that you don't get those big weekend to weekday. I see a lot of patients who will have more headaches on Monday or Tuesday. It's that catch-up day isn't as bad, but it's the second day after the catch-up day. It seems that causes more problems. And so good sleep hygiene. I think we all can do that. Just like eating healthy, regular exercise. There are so many things in life that get in the way. And for many people who have 
fibromyalgia, unfortunately, they have a lot of other struggles that are more than just common things. There are often real high stress that they think about, uh, PTSD type things where sleeping hasn't been a calm thing. Somebody who's had been around high abuse or had an alcoholic parent who had very erratic behavior and you didn't know if they were going to come in or somebody who was sexually abused and a bed isn't always a safe place. There's so many other things that can make just things that people who don't struggle uh, take it for granted. Thank you for joining us on this week's episode. If you enjoyed the podcast, hit the like and subscribe button. Please share with others. Please rate and review. The more you do that, the more the message of hope and education about fibromyalgia and related problems gets out there for those who are struggling. If you have any questions that you would like to ask me, you can email me at drmichaellenz at gmail.com. Appreciate any feedback, any topics you'd like to have discussed on future podcasts, any clarifications that you might have had from an episode that you've listened to. Until next week, go Team Fibro.